Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Great. So yeah, I, I'm not sure how far through the culture series you are so far. I did find it interesting, uh, as Colin was just giving that announcement, uh, how many of the cultures I could spot in the way he explained things. I wonder uh, if you saw some of them there. Uh, and, and it's interesting because these things, they're not just kind of buzzwords that we've come up with. They really do shape the decisions that we make, the way we approach things, the, the different narrative around church life is all shaped by these cultures. And today we're looking at one called the forward-looking culture. And the forward-looking culture is all about the future. How many people know what's going to happen in the future? You see, if you put your hand up there, I would have pushed you to tell me the answer. Predicting the future isn't easy. Uh, there are some famous historical predictions of the future. Thomas Watson who was the head of IBM in the 60s, said, I think that there is a world market for maybe five computers. Now, I think there are people in this room who have more than five computers. Uh, He was clearly wrong. Uh, An executive at Decca Records once said, the Beatles have no future in show business. Groups are out, and four-piece groups with guitars particularly are finished. Uh, And Charles Jewell, who was the head of the US Patents Office in 1899, he once said, everything that can be invented has been invented. So uh, you run yourself into tricky ground, don't you, when you try and tell what's going to happen in the future. And yet, we're Christians. And yet we believe there's a God, and we believe there's a God who knows the end from the beginning. So if anyone knows the future, it's God. And then if God starts to speak, and if God starts to share things about the future, then we can take him at his word, and so we can know the future. Now, we we won't know every detail. We won't know every single thing that we try, how that will work out, as Colin was just explaining. But we can know the shape of the future. We can know what God has said about how things will be broadly in terms of the world, in terms of the kingdom, in terms of eternity. And based on the shape of what God's shown us, we can choose to act now in a certain way, looking forward to what will be. So that's what the forward-looking culture really is about. And I'm going to read uh, a couple of little parables that Jesus told to, to get into this. This is Matthew 13. We will find them. So Matthew 13, uh, and we'll go from verse 31 to 33. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but when it's grown, it's larger than all the garden plants. It's become a tree, so the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. So the first thing that we see in these parables is that God often starts with something really, really small. God will start with something tiny. In fact, 
Jesus says that this mustard seed that he's talking about is the smallest of all seeds. And I, I don't know much about mustard seeds. So I looked on Wikipedia, which is the ultimate source of theological knowledge. <laughs> uh, and it tells me that mustard seeds are small round seeds of various plants. They're usually about one to two millimetres in diameter. So that's how small we're looking. And maybe coloured from yellowish white to black. And Jesus compares one of these mustard seeds to the kingdom of God. And the idea is that God's kingdom starts with the small, which I think is quite a, a counterintuitive thing to do. Like, I mean, imagine if I was God, the king of the kingdom, I just want to snap my fingers and make it all glorious and all as it would be in the future, yet God starts with the small. And we see this right through the Bible, don't we, over and over again. Think about when God created the world. He had this whole vast planet that he made. So many different, um, what we call countries now, continents, land masses, that were all wild, all full of, wilderness, ready to be made into a planet for his glory. But where does God start? He doesn't start with the whole planet. He starts by planting a garden in the east. And out of this garden, then, uh, he's got people who he will send uh, into the world to do his work. Or think about when, uh, when, when everything went wrong in Genesis and God starts to make a promise. He doesn't go to kings and nations. He just picks out one guy called Abraham and he says, in you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Think about when he came into the world himself. Did he come in palaces? Did he come in the place you'd expect? No, it was a backwater. It was just a, a young girl in Nazareth called Mary who uh, the angel appeared to and made the promises to her. And God came into the world as a tiny little baby and grew up. When Jesus started his ministry, when he started, did he do a big promotional campaign? Did he take like uh, ads on websites or did he plaster it over billboards all over Israel? No, he just found a handful of fishermen and said to them, drop your nets and follow me. At the start of the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit falls upon just 120 people praying in an upstairs room. God starts time and again with something small, with something that doesn't seem in the eyes of those looking on uh, weighty or significant, but God over and over again starts with his little mustard seed. At the moment, one of the uh, nations of the world that we're seeing God move most powerfully is China. That's been the case probably over the last century. But 150 years ago, that wasn't the case. China was a nation where very, very few people knew God. 150 years ago, a young man called Hudson Taylor from Barnsley, he got on a ship in Liverpool and sailed to Shanghai. Just one guy with a dream to see a nation reached. Now, most of the other missionaries at the time lived in the coastal towns. They dressed in, like, British clothes. Uh, and they had, like, a uh, nice high society with the other uh, significant people. But he thought, I'm going to do things differently. I want to reach this nation. I'm going to go inland. I'm going to travel to villages that none of these other Western missionaries are going to. I'm going to dress like local people dress. I'm going to have local hairstyles as well. He was going to uh, do things differently, but you look on and you're like, this is just one guy from Barnsley dressing up in the clothes that Chinese people wear. How could anything come out of this? But he was a mustard seed that God was planting in China. So God starts with the small. What do we do with that? Well, I'm going to give you a few thoughts how this shapes our lives, how it shapes our church. And I think the first one is this, do not despise the day of small beginnings. 
Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Don't look at something and think, well, that's too small. God can't make something happen there. <coughs> kind of my day job within CCM uh, is, uh, is at the city centre site. That's where I spend most of my time. I remember the first time I turned up at anything uh, city centre related. It, it was four people sitting in Costa Coffee doing a Bible study. And uh, Colin had been talking about it. said, hey, we've got this site. And I'm like, this is, this is four people doing a Bible study. But out of that, God can grow something. And I look at where we've got to now uh, and the scale of the city centre. There's still like 60,000 people living there. And we're just uh, a small group in there. But I'm not despising the day of small beginnings. God starts with something small to make something big. It was the same here. I remember when this site started, it was just a, a handful of people in the basement of Solomon Grundy's out, out of which this has grown. God starts with something small. I'd say for yourself as well, you might be uh, someone who thinks, I don't have that much to bring to the table. Maybe you look at things that have happened in your past. Maybe you've had a go at something and it hasn't worked. Maybe uh, you've disqualified yourself in some way. You think, what, ha- what I have to offer is only very small. Well, I think this parable would say God can work with that. God can work with something small to make something big. In fact, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So as a church, we talk about this forward-looking culture and knowing the shape of what God's going to do in the future means we can be very comfortable starting small. We can have a go at something. We can get a few people in a room doing a Bible study and see what happens in faith that God will grow something out of it. We're not trying to do small for the sake of small, but we're very comfortable starting small and letting God do what God does. So our second point, if God starts with the small, is that God grows it big. God grows it big. You see, this mustard seed doesn't stay as a mustard seed. The mustard seed turns into something else. It turns into a tree, the greatest tree, larger than all the garden plants. You've got the birds of the air coming and making nests in its branches. You go from something very small to something very big. It's like Jesus is saying, see what it was, but then see what it becomes. And this is what the kingdom of God is like. God will take those small beginnings, but turn them into something significant. Now, there are various ways I could illustrate this point. I could talk to you about uh, Eden. I, I mentioned how Eden was just this little garden. And, and since then, like, the whole world has seen uh, culture brought to it. People have spread across the world. Uh, God's uh, glory, God's name, God's character has been talked about all over this planet that he made. I could talk about Abraham, this one person who God picked out. Now, there are many, many millions of children of Abraham across the world. But what I'm going to hone in on is is Acts. I I talked about how God started the story with just 120 people praying in the upper room. He sent his Holy Spirit upon them. And uh, Peter then uh, went out and preached to the crowds. And they were kind of cut to the heart. It says, when they heard what he said, they were cut to the heart. They said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, everyone 
whom the Lord our God calls to himself. With many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those that received the word were baptised, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. We started small, 120 people in an upper room. All of a sudden, God has added 3,000 to that number. Don't you think that's incredible? Don't you dream of a day where 3,000 people will be saved? What a revival moment. God starts with something small and then grew it into something big. But you know what? It didn't stop there. It didn't stop at 3,000. We're told a few verses later that day by day, people were added to the number. That means every day, more people are getting saved. Now, it doesn't tell us how many people each day. Like, is, would it be one a day? Would it be two a day? Five a day? Ten a day? We're not told the exact rate. But a, a few years ago, we did uh, a preaching series, and someone asked us uh, a question. It was a kind of a, uh, a write your questions, and we'll answer them in sermons kind of series. And, and someone said, why don't we see the same kind of church growth today that they saw back then in the book of Acts? So I thought, well, it would be fun to, to run the numbers on this, to do a bit of maths around it. So uh, I looked it up, and uh, apparently in our day, there are a lot of Christians. I don't know if you've noticed this. Um, apparently, there are billions across the world. And I saw one estimate um, that say God is adding about 178,000 people per day to his church. 178,000 a day. I, I read 3,000 in there, and I thought that was a lot. Apparently yesterday, God did more than that. Isn't that amazing? Don't think that God has slowed down. If anything, he's accelerated all over the world. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people are getting saved. In the last century, more people have put their faith in Jesus than in the 1,900 years before that combined. More nations have been reached. More churches have been planted. More good deeds of love and service and generosity have been done. The kingdom of God is moving forward quickly. There isn't a chance that the gates of hell can stop it. That spectacular growth from Acts 2 meant that people were getting saved every day. <coughs> now God has accelerated it so much that on average people are getting saved every single second. Not just every day people are added to the number. Now, every second across the world, two new people are added to the kingdom. You see that clock over there? Look at that second hand moving around. Tick, tick, tick. Every time that's two new people being added to the kingdom of God. Two new souls being saved and heading for heaven. This is what God is doing in our world right now. Did you know today what God is going to do? 178,000 people being saved is 60 times the scale of what he did on the day of Pentecost. Just let that sink in. 60 times the amount of salvation that happened on the day of Pentecost, the great day of revival that we hold up there. God is at work in the world. In fact, in the time it takes me to preach this sermon, more people are going to get saved than did on Pentecost. Now, I'm not trying to take credit for that. I, I, I mean, hopefully one or two the sermon might help. But you see what I'm saying? God started with just 120 people in an upper room. Starts with a small mustard seed, but from there it grows the greatest of all the trees. I told you about Hudson Taylor. As well as being a great missionary, Hudson Taylor was a movement maker. And after some time 
Uh, back in England, he got ill. He came back to England to recover. He went back to China again in 1866. This time, though, he didn't go on his own. He brought with him 16 additional missionaries that he could send to these different provinces of China. And over the next 20 years, he managed to recruit 200 more to join them. So from the small seed of Hudson Taylor, he starts adding a few more missionaries to these different provinces. This started a movement known as the China Inland Mission that was able to bring the good news of Jesus to every part of China. And it looked like it was going really well for a while. Until in the 1960s, Chairman Mao expelled all of the foreign missionaries and banned the practice of Christianity. Now, at the time he did this, there were less than a million Christians across the whole nation of China. Most people from the West looking in thought this meant the end of Christianity in China, thought that uh, Christianity could not survive it. But what had happened is Hudson Taylor and these other missionaries that he'd taken with him, because they'd made a point of going inland to these little villages and sharing the gospel in these places, it's like they'd planted a seed into every village and every community. And it's like when Mao expelled the missionaries, he couldn't stop what God had started. And instead of dying a death, Christianity flourished. And over the span of the next 50 years, the number of Christians in China leapt from less than 1 million to more than 150 million. So that's what you'd call a 15,000% growth rate over a 50-year period. Now, if in your job you could deliver a 15,000% growth rate over 50 years, I put it to you that your boss would be pleased. It's a good growth rate. God had started something from something small, a mustard seed. God grew something very big. So again, what do we do with this? How do we apply this idea that God will grow something big? Well, the first thing, it sounds obvious, but remember that God is the one who gives the growth. That growth comes from God. So without God doing something, we're going to look a little bit silly. So we need two things together. We need um, an assurance, which is saying, like, look, I know God is going to do this, and a desperation, which is basically, I really need God to do this. And we need those two things to come together. I know he will, but I really need him to. And when you get these two things together, it means that the way you, you pray, there's a boldness to it. So again, I mentioned uh, for me up in the city centre, 60,000 people there. Uh, I'm like, God, you can reach these people. Your kingdom, uh, your purposes, your sovereign election of these people. I trust that you're doing something here. But then I'm on my knees and I'm like, God, I really need you to do something here and bring these people in and add to the number is both, isn't it? There's a desperation in the prayer and in the way we work and in the way we labour. And then there's a confidence in that at the end of the day, we can go to sleep and rest in the sovereign God who will bring the growth. You might think, I mentioned earlier, some of you might think you haven't got much to offer. It's just a small mustard seed. But you know what? You might not have uh, that much to offer now, but tomorrow, next week, a year from now, maybe you'll have more than you do now. Because God isn't just making his kingdom bigger generically. He's making each of us bigger as well. He's developing our gift. And you have spiritual gifts from God. And the Bible tells you to fan those gifts into flame, to see them come to fruition. Some of you might have the gifts of evangelism or leadership or healing or speaking in tongues or teaching. Whatever your spiritual gifts might be, develop them, grow in them. The Bible tells how Jesus grew in stature before God and 
man. That's something we can do. We can grow in stature before God. We can develop a boldness in our prayer life. And we can grow in stature before man. We can grow in confidence to stand for God's purposes. We can grow in influence. We can grow in experience. You know, sometimes people start to lose faith in what God can do in their lives. It's like once they thought, hey, I can take the world for Jesus. And now, so I just hope I get to the end of the day. The people can just, their faith for what they can do diminishes. I want to just kind of stoke the fire today and say, remember those dreams you had of what God can do through you. Well, why not see those dreams go again? Why not have another run at it? And then for each other as a community, you can have faith for one another. Sometimes when a person doesn't have faith for themselves, what they need is people around them that say, I believe God can do things through you. And this forward-looking culture we talk about, there's always a, a kind of what's next mentality, because if we're expecting God to grow it big, we want to keep trying new things. We want to keep starting the next thing. I remember um, when... <coughs> when we were in Kingsway, and Kingsway was just getting going, and uh, it, it was just a small group of people meeting midweek, and we kind of announced it to the church, like, hey, we're going to do something in Kingsway. The first question people were asking is, is, okay, Kingsway sounds good, but where next? Where are we going after that? This is the kind of mentality, where's the next place? Where's the next place? Where's the next place? Wherever we're at, whatever stage we're at, we don't just want to kind of settle for consolidating where we're at. As a site here in Ladybird, great question to be asking is, where can you send people out to next? Where can the next church plant be good? Start to let God speak to you about places, maybe the neighbourhoods that you live in, where you can start to gather some, some neighbours and do a midweek group and see what God grows out of it. Always be asking, where is next? We can't just bunker down into comfort. And, and this could be in various uh, different aspects. Maybe you get comfortable with the way we do things. I, I know uh, in community, we do it this way. We can't possibly change it because it's so comfortable. But, but maybe God's got something better, something newer. Let's try things and see what God does. Even in our friendships, we might get very comfortable with the group of close friends we've got around us. But let's always be open and reaching out to develop new friendships, to draw new people in and see God work. So God starts with the small, God grows it big. But then the third thing is that God will spread this thing everywhere. And this is the second little parable that Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leaven. Now the leaven is kind of like yeast. And if you put yeast or leaven in some flour, it'd be mad to just put it in one bit of the flour, cover it up with flour and just assume that it's done its job. No, you mix it right through. And that's what Jesus is saying the kingdom is like. It spreads everywhere. The kingdom starts small, but it grows big and it gets everywhere. Now, there are two ways this will happen. Both are important. Firstly, it spreads into every part of society. Now, there are people in this room who, in your nine till five, will be in many, many different fields. There'll be people in education, people in healthcare, people in the arts, people in business, people in different fields. And as you go to your place of work, as you go to the place you spend your week, you're bringing God's kingdom with you. So God's kingdom is saturating society in that way. And things will be done differently as you bring the values of the kingdom of God into the different spheres of life that you are in. In every sphere of life, God's kingdom will then start to have influence. 
But then the other way that the spread works is it spreads into every community, every nation, every tribe, and every place. You see, I, I looked with you just a few minutes ago at how the church grew in those early chapters of Acts. But, but that growth that we see in the first few chapters of Acts is nothing compared to what happens in the later chapters of Acts because that's still just the growth of one church in one place. That was the church in Jerusalem. A few chapters in, we get a bit of a gear shift and instead of just growing in Jerusalem, we start to see growth happening in many, many places. We see growth in Antioch, in Ephesus, in Corinth, in Philippi, in these different places. The book of Acts takes us about 20 years from Jesus' resurrection. And basically what we see over the life story of the book of Acts is that every year, or maybe every two years, kind of roughly that kind of time scale, you get a few people who identify a new place and they start gathering some people there. The people meet with God, a few more people are added, some leaders get appointed and a church gets started. And then a year or two later, they go and do the same thing somewhere else. And then they go to the next place, and they go to the next place. And that's the story of the book of Acts. Now, because it's possible to read the story in a couple of hours, you kind of think it all happened in a couple of hours. It didn't. It's a 20-year story of every couple of years they start in the next place. Some of them kind of, it's dramatic and it's prophetic and God speaks. And some of it is just opportunistic. And they say, hey, there's some people here. They love Jesus. Let's get a church going there. And they make it happen. But you know what uh, is interesting kind of like what we're doing. It is. We, we kind of model our, uh, our thing on this. So back in 2007, CCM started in Gorton. 2009, we planted a new site into Fallowfield. 2012, then we had another congregation start in Fallowfield. 2014, this site was started. 2016, we went to Kingsway. 2018, City Centre. And then we're, we're thinking, we're dreaming, what is the next place. Some people are praying about Stockport. Some people are praying about Levensum. Some people are praying about different parts of the city centre for more meetings. But this idea of in Acts, every couple of years, they're going somewhere new. They're starting something new. We're trying to do that on a slightly smaller scale here in Manchester. But it's kind of the same DNA as you've got there. Go new places, start new churches. It's like this leaven spreading throughout the dough, just like Jesus talked about. And then, of course, you've got lots of other people in lots of different cities all doing the same thing. And God's kingdom grows through it all and it spreads. So what do we do with this one? Well, firstly, develop a spirit of adventure. So get in your, in your idea that God has called you to a life of discipleship. And that means he could call you anywhere. Continue to seek God about where to go. Maybe God might call you to go and be part of something new that he is going to start up in another community near you. Maybe you'll be here for a while and go and join a new site plant. Maybe uh, God would call some of you to lead a site plant. Maybe God would call you to different cities or different nations. Just listen, just be ready for God, the sovereign one who leads his church to call you where he would have you. And also be ready to send some key people, which you've already done very recently. You sent some really key leaders out to help somewhere else. There's a church in, 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 it's a church in Antioch. They're having uh, a prayer meeting and uh, the Holy Spirit leads them in this prayer meeting. Hey, send out Paul 
and Barnabas to go and be missionaries. Now, can you imagine how devastating that would be if the Holy Spirit said that to you? I mean, imagine if you had Paul and Barnabas on your leadership team. You would kill it as a church. Like Paul kind of bringing all the theology, all the preaching, uh, he would do it. And then Barnabas getting around and actually being nice to people and making them feel welcome. And you'd have a great church with those two. And then like you're praying and, and God says, hey, hey, send out Paul. And you think, okay, that's a shame. We, we, we like Paul, but it's fine. We'll, we'll be good. We've still got Barnabas. We'll be all right. And Barnabas as well. And yet they're so generous. They send out these key leaders. And churches are starting in many, many cities. The whole flow of churches going from place to place to place really kind of comes out of this moment, this church in Antioch. We're obedient. And they say, yeah, we'll release them for what God is going to do. Now, we need to be honest when this happens, when key leaders go or key people in the community go for the next thing, there can be a bit of a rip effect. It can be hard for those who are still left behind. That's why we need to work hard at maintaining friendships, building new friendships, not being comfortable with the little pocket of community that we've got, but always developing new friendships and relationships. But what it does is it creates space and new people step up and have a go at things. So our forward-looking culture, we will continue to be church planted in Manchester, starting new sites throughout the city. But also, it's so exciting when we gather together, uh, different people on the team, we often find our minds start wandering to other cities, to, to places in Europe. We've got these kind of dreams of getting things like this going uh, in different European cities. And that's the, the same thing. It's the kingdom of God spreading. So as a church, we have a forward-looking culture. God will start with small. And by starting with small, it kind of means he'll start with people like us. He'll start with just a few of us just doing things faithfully his way. But God's kingdom will grow. He will take these small beginnings and turn them into something big for his glory. And he spreads it everywhere. We want to join with him in this.